Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Old Podcast. Before we get started, just want to uh, talk about our sponsors real quick. Uh, they help us uh, keep this show going. So as always, uh, Season 2 is sponsored by ModusNation.com. I know I talk about them all the time, but in case you haven't heard me, uh, they make some awesome clothes. Uh, they support uh, a lot of veteran charities, a lot of local charities. Uh, great company run by Ben and Lindsay. Uh, so they're doing awesome work over there. So please uh, please support them. And they also are offering a promo code for 15% off at their store at uh, modusnation.com. And that code is nothing owed, all caps. So please uh, go buy yourself some shirts, some sweatshirts, uh, go buy some gifts. Uh, they, uh, they make some awesome stuff. You won't be disappointed. So definitely check out uh, modusnation.com. And also our other sponsor for uh, these episodes is going to be uh, Winfield Watch. Uh, it's W-I-N-F-I-E-L-D. So it's winfieldwatch.com. Uh, wear a watch. It's important. <laughs> I know it seems to be uh, kind of falling out of favor, but uh, I just want to say that it's important to wear a watch. Uh, but if you're going to wear one, you know, get a Winfield. They're made well. They look awesome. Uh, they're super durable. And you're supporting a small business. You're supporting a, a veteran-owned business. Uh, and I know they're running some promotions for uh, for spring. So please uh, please check them out. Uh, I know they're running some awesome deals. And even without the deal, even without a sale that they're, they're running it, whatever time it is, um, their watches are a great value. Um, I bought one before myself. And I'm super happy with it. But uh, good product, good company. Comes in a really nice uh, leather and canvas watch roll. Uh, the straps are amazing. The uh, the watch bands, if if you prefer. Um, but uh, good company, good people. So definitely uh, support them because they're helping us uh, keep this show going. And uh, Mark's definitely a good guy. He was a guest on one of our uh, previous shows. So I know he definitely appreciates all the support that, that we sent his way. So uh, please, uh, please check him out. And uh, with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to myself to get the uh, show going for this week. I know this is a, this is a good one. Everyone, you're going to enjoy it. So um, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to uh, me. All right. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Old Podcast. You're here with uh, Brian and Ben, as always. Um, we have a awesome guest today, as we always do. I think all of our guests are, are pretty cool in their, their own right. Um, fair, uh, funny enough, it's another Brian. So that may be a little bit of a challenge, but uh, there'll be two Brian's on the show, two Brian's and a Ben. But uh, our guest today is Brian Sitter, uh, founder and owner of the Vegas Elite Basketball Club. So he has um, some awesome stories about how he got started, um, just about coaching, about life, all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be a good show. We're really excited to, uh, to talk to him. But uh, as always, I'd like to turn it over to uh, Ben so he can introduce himself uh, and catch us up on what's new. And then uh, we'll turn it over to Brian and he can uh, tell us his story. So Ben, hi Ben, what's new? Uh, everything's good. Um, I'm very uh, excited about this one. I've been uh, counting the days to record this one. This one hits home for me, very special. Brian uh, Sitter and I have been uh, friends and uh, he, he's been a role model for uh, my one of my older sons, uh, one of my, mid my middle son, and now my youngest son. Um, for a long time now. So I think he has a great story to tell. I think our listeners will enjoy the, the, the journey. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to, to uh, trying to deal in the world of, of youth sports, which is 
really become quite a jungle almost, you know, of, of just trying to maneuver through, you know, the collegiate sports, trying to get there. It's very mm -hmm. cutthroat, very, very uh, competitive. And, and, you know, I think, I think Brian can shed some light on some of the things it takes, you know, I think what happens in basketball can be translated into volleyball, baseball, football, whatever sport yeah. it is. And in life, yep. uh, I mean, Brian, Brian, I mean, we'll get into it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take all the steam away from it, but okay. man, he, you know, he, he taught our family some things and he's always been, um, he's always had our family's back. Our older son that plays college basketball right now came up through his, his club. Uh, his, his high school years were not um, easy to say the least. Basketball was the easiest thing for him in, in, uh, in high school. So, well, part of it, but you know, and Brian stood by him, as a role model, a friend, and a coach. So this is a special guest uh, in the Woodbury home. So we're looking forward to this one. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me. Of course. Glad to have you. Yeah, so with that, um, Brian, please, um, we always like to hear a little bit about your background, kind of where you got started, and, you know, just um, – Tell us about yourself, kind of how you ended up where you're at, and then uh, you know we'll definitely get into the basketball. Okay, I I, uh, I grew up here in Vegas, uh, Las Vegas. Um, I uh, I played multiple sports as a kid, and uh, if anybody who's ever caught a bug in any sport, whether it's surf, golf, basketball, my my thing, uh, my passion, my my adrenaline. Like when I played basketball, it was a feeling that I, uh, it wasn't my best sport when I was younger, but it was the sport that got my juices flowing the most. Um, I was blessed to have an opportunity to grow up in Las Vegas for those that aren't aware. Um, UNLV basketball at the time was the premier college basketball program in the country. Um, I was able to not only uh, because the basketball community in Vegas is small, I was able to attend practices. I was able to train, coach, uh, be coached by their staff. And, and at the time, you know, every high school kid in the country wanted to come play at UNLV. And we're talking about the times when they won, they won a national championship. They went to the final four. They had, they had Larry Johnson, Stacey Augman, Greg Anthony, who was a good friend of mine that grew up here in Vegas. But I was blessed to have an opportunity to uh, just be around a winning situation. Um, we also won two state championships at Bishop Gorman when I was there. So, um, at, at, you know, and not to, you know, as a six foot one and a half, not super athletic kid, uh, those experiences and those relationships and that, that time that I had growing up through, through Vegas with those players and coaches gave was what gave me an opportunity to play. I played in college, Division One college. I went to a Sweet 16 with New Mexico State. And then I actually played professionally for almost seven years, uh, not in the NBA, but overseas in Brazil and Japan. Oh, wow. And cool. I, uh, it was 100% the experience, the coaching, the guidance, the mentorship, all of the adults that were around me when I was, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, growing up, uh, I 100% would never have had those opportunities had I not had those people around me. 
I mean, I was obviously I was I was pretty good. You know, I put in the time, I put in the work, right. but still, I feel like the guidance that was around me. So when I got done playing overseas, I was thirty, and I knew I got my degree in education. Um, I was just, I knew I, I was a teacher at heart. I had, I had run camps from the time I was basketball camps from the time I was 18, 19, worked camps, trained younger kids, lived in the gym. And so in the gym is where I wanted to be. I, I just felt that not only was it a passion, but I felt like I had a niche for passing on the information that was given to me, you know, and, right. and, and being, you know, uh, being able to having that attention to detail when coaching and training kids that would, I knew was the information that would help them move on and, and have success in the sport. So I tried college coaching first, realized the business of college basketball was not anything I wanted anything to do with. Um, there was no coaching involved. Also, if you don't mind me asking, like what, what was well, it about college? That kind of um, off? So as an assistant coach, I felt like I was going to be working kids out, uh, teaching them how to play the sport, um, talking to them about life decisions. And, and I was doing a lot of laundry. I was driving a lot of vans. I was <laughs> ordering a lot of sandwiches. Okay. Uh, I was, uh, and, and you learn the hierarchy, like you don't really get to do basketball. I was recruiting a lot. I was scouting. I was on the road. Like I was never home you don't really get to do basketball until like you're the head coach. Okay. And I was 30 and I was like, this is going to take a long time. And I don't even know that I like this process. Like everything that went into college coaching, a lot of the things, all the guys trying to make their way up, like it's, it, it was just, it wasn't pure. It was, it was not like, I liked the being in the gym with a ball and kids and sweating and and working so i after two years of college i moved back to vegas and i had a real job on the side you know doing sales and i and i started training kids i just got started finding kids and getting in the gym in a church gym and before long i had a, a whole group of kids um i got with the tarkanian family we created an academy we had uh, close to 300 kids at some time and even then the business, then the business got involved again. Then it was, I was sitting as the head of the Tarkanian basketball Academy. And again, I found myself not in the gym. I wasn't in, I wasn't, wasn't doing what I knew I was best at, you know, and, and to be honest, running a business is, 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 is one thing and coaching kids is another. And I learned a lot from, from the Tarkanian family about running a business. But again, I felt like my best my, my, my passion and what I was best at was being hands-on in the gym with kids. So I left there and started my own uh, uh, club, Vegas League Basketball, uh, Vegas League Basketball Club, 14 years ago. Oh, wow. And took my own group of kids and said, look, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to figure out the business side, <laughs> and we'll figure that out as we go. But I know that I know how to coach, and I love it, and I know how to make kids better. And I know how to get them to where they want to go. So I did that 14 years ago. And um, it's interesting because about three years in, you know, I was doing work on the side and, and I was charging kids, but it wasn't 
enough. And my wife, who's my wife now, she's my fiance then, she said, like, it's never going to be a job. It's never going to do what you want it to do until you just do it 100%. Right. Like you're, ha- you're, you're, you're halfway doing it and you're finding other work on the side. Like, why don't you? And, you know, I thank God for it. She said, why don't you just go all in and just try to make this your job? You love doing it. You're great at it. And, and people are drawn to you. So why don't you try to make it a, a real thing, a real job? So at that time, I quit my job and I started going full time at the gym. And, you know, every day, you know, six days, seven days a week, coaching kids, training. And my numbers went from 40 to 80 to 120 to 150 and in literally months. Wow. The minute that I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put everything in it, all my energy, all everything that I got into this, and it and it went and it, and it, it went from literally like a hobby to a, a full a full organization in probably six months. What, what would you say? What did you do that made or that increased your numbers so much? I mean, that's a huge jump. I think a lot of it was taking the time to communicate. Okay. You know, so. We would, let's say I would take, I would have three or four teams and we would go play on a Saturday at a high school gym in a league. And I would have seven or eight parents that would come up and say, hey, I really like what you're doing. You know, how do I get involved with your program? You know, but I would take their numbers and then the next day I'd have to go to work all day and I'd come home. You know, life, you're doing what you got to, you're doing what you got to pay the bills. Right. And I, maybe I get back to them in three days or four days. But the minute that this was my job, I, I would call them the next day and I'd get them in practice and I'd get them into the program and I had time to communicate our philosophies. And, and it wasn't just, you know, a guy coaching 20 kids on a Saturday or 30 kids. It was now I was actually uh, preaching my philosophy to other parents and other teams and And because I did things different, you know, I just did things a lot of times at that time, there were just a lot of dads like Ben with the Spartans (laughs) who, who for, for lack of, you know, I'm just trying to put my kids, my kids love basketball and I don't know what to do, but I get some uniforms and I signed up in the league and that's actually how I met Ben. He was playing in my league and he was a dad and he was like, look, man, I don't really want to do this. You know, I would rather have someone like you do it that knows, you know, Ben knows basketball, but like, this is what you do. And I started acquiring kids and parents and stuff into the program because I was available, you know? So I was available. My time, I had time. I had gym space. It was easy for me to talk to Jim, go look uh, Ben and say, bring your guys over on Tuesday night, man, six o'clock. I got some other kids. Let's put them in the gym and work them out. See, see what happens. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. I, I was coaching, I think my son, um, Trey, who's, uh, he's 22 now. I think they were nine years old at the time and I was coaching a little team and it had a bunch of really good kids on it. And that's what I, somehow we signed up for, uh, the Vegas elite rec league, Vegas elite rec league. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we were there and I, I met Brian and you know, that I, I will say that's one thing I, you know, at the beginning of this whole thing for you, uh, you were never, it's, you know, this business is very territorial and yes. I have never seen Brian, you know, 
say, you know, you can't bring your team here or we don't want to play you. It's very inclusive. He's never shoving. He doesn't recruit. No, he's never there going, Hey man, you got a really good kid on your team. Let me talk to the parents to get that kid over to our team. No, he wants kids to be in the gym playing competitive basketball and learning how to play, how to do it the right way. Cause there's enough examples of the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's not to say I've been, thrown, I've been thrown right. out. Of, I've been thrown. Yeah. That, <laughs> and I've been thrown out of so many gyms. I mean, if you want to look at a, uh, a parent that's a nut job basketball player. <laughs> I'm not at the top, but I'm somewhere up there. Close, close. You had some moments. Yeah, you had some moments. I've, I've been walked out of the uh, Arizona State uh, rec facility, uh, <laughs> my security. Yeah, a couple other things. But, um, that, Brian, did was your first group, uh, was it girls? So, when I was at Tarkanian, um, Jerry Tarkanian walked into my office, and, and again, for those that don't know, like he's a legendary, one of the all-time winningest college coaches in, in, in the history of college basketball. We were in the gym that he built for us. I was working with his Vegas, son. Vegas royalty, too. I mean, yeah, and, and, and he walked into my office, and I had, I had coached girls in camps and stuff before, but he walks in, he says, uh, my son, Danny, says, you're the best coach in town for, for kids. And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm, I, I think I'm pretty good. He's like, my, my, uh, my daughter has a, has a daughter, my granddaughter. She's a seventh grader, and she's like six foot tall. And he's like, I want you to put a team together for her, and I'll sponsor the team, but I want you to go get the best, you know, Der- Jerry recruit." Go get the yeah. best seventh grade girls in the city, <laughs> put them with her, and I want you to coach them. And I was like, okay. You, um, you don't say a basketball coach doesn't say no to Jerry Tarkin. I got, I got this, coach. I got I got you. So sure enough, we held like a citywide tryout. And um and I put Jerry's name on it, that the Tarkanian Tark, we were called Tar- Tark's Sharks. The Lady Sharks were going to start a program. We want, and and we probably had sixty girls show up from all over. And I and I, and I, uh, I put a team together, and I started coaching those girls. And and in by the time that she her name was Danielle, she's seventh grade. By the time that group, so I ended up building that. And then what happens is other girls from other age groups want to come. So we ended up having like three age groups, an eighth grade, seventh grade, sixth grade of all the top girls in the city. And from that group, we had Lindy LaRock, who went to Stanford, who is now the head coach at UNLV. We had Danielle, who was his granddaughter, played at Northwestern and still plays professionally in Israel. And we had two McDonald's All-Americans, we had another girl who went to Duke. We had girls who went to North Carolina. Like, it turned into this massive thing. And to be honest, that that was one of the times where I was like, you know what, I think I'm good at this. Yeah, because was, if you would have seen the girls in seventh grade, you would have said not one of these girls are ever going to play college basketball. <laughs> like, and going through that process and realizing, like, they did what I did we went in the gym and lived in there and to put them off into the, not just a college, but Duke, North Carolina, 
Texas, Stanford, McDonald's All-American won. McDonald's All-American. One of them is is the third, the, the second all-time leading scorer at Oklahoma. I was like, you know what? I think I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I really That's need awesome. to take this and and start putting it into the boys' side. So I had these girls and as and then and then and then all these other clubs started popping up. So that it became a lot more of a, a recruiting. And, and to be honest, I was already that's when Trey and Jamal are like sixth grade. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pass this girls thing on because because my passion is really nice. You know, I love girls basketball. And the girls was it's an amazing it's experience. Girls are so much more appreciative and they're so much more thankful. And they they really realize, you know, like they can never really have gotten wherever they get without your help. Boys are a little bit different. They all think they're going to make it, and if they don't, it's their fault. Yeah, yeah. But, but anyways, it taught me though. I was able to really practice all of my methods and get all of my, everything down. My organization, and I don't want to say girls. It was a smaller scale, but it was it provided an opportunity for me to perfect my craft. And then I went to the boys, and then it was like on steroids now, yeah, now I, I know what I'm doing and this is what we're doing with these boys and that first wave of boys was your son Jamal yeah uh, uh Chuck O'Bannon uh Maka all these kids that ended up being you know they ended up going and playing high level college so that that was about speaking of seventh grade I think um and I love telling this story but when, when Trey and, and his group were in sixth or seventh grade, uh, we had a little rough, ragged team. Yep. We, didn't, we didn't have a center. Um, we had, you know, like my son is blonde haired, blue eyed. And I think he was, uh, you know, I don't know how tall he was. He wasn't that tall at the time. Five ten, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then some other kids that looked a lot like him. And then Jamal Bay, who, who was at the time looked like a baby giraffe. Yeah. Couldn't hold on to a ball. And uh, Brian and his staff sat our group down. Uh, I can picture it. We're sitting in the classroom, parents and kids, and and Brian and and uh, his his one of his assistants, Rich Thornton, say every kid in this room has a potential to be a college basketball player. Some are going to be higher level. Some are going to be lower level. Every kid, if they want to put in the work and they want to trust the process, you'll these every single kid in this room can play college basketball and everybody kind of looked at each other and it was when they were starting to Brian was transitioning from the girls um before that none of the he didn't have a team that he carried through high school from a male standpoint and uh so we were planning the next five or six years um on what we were going to do they were trying to get into some shoe contract uh circuits and some other things and so I remember everybody's like okay okay and we adjourned the meeting I walked over to Brian and I looked at him and I went wait my son has potential to be in college and he said yeah you know and so my son is actually was actually a football player he was the kid on the team that went and played football most of the year and then showed up for basketball season and uh and going into his eighth grade year he said I I want to go I want to play college basketball it broke our heart because he's an amazing quarterback I just saw him he was in town last week throwing the ball uh, football over at faith lutheran with some guys and he still can chuck it halfway down the field but we were heartbroken we were like dude you're like five nine 
you know, you can't even jump, you know, like, dude, you're you know, what's funny about that is, is that's the exact same thing that happened to my family and right around eighth grade. And it's really around that time when you, if you're going to really try to be great, you have to really focus on a specific sport, especially if it's basketball, because you can't take three, four months off from basketball no. and then come back and pick up where you left off. You know, um, so I was way better at soccer. And when we got to eighth grade, my soccer club was like, you have to go year round. And my basketball club is you have to go year round. And my mom's like, well, I guess we'll just wait. We'll just do basketball when we get to high school. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm doing basketball. And she's like, you're 5'10". You're way better at soccer. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, if I have to choose, I'm chicken basketball every time. Like that's my path. That's, that's my love. And my mom was just like, Oh my gosh, what are we doing? And you know, five years later, I was Gatorade player of the year in the state of Nevada. And my mom really still can't even believe it. Like she would go to games and she'd still just be like, I don't even understand what's going on. Like <laughs> I don't, you, 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 you were so much better at soccer. What are you doing? So Lindsay same, almost same as Trey. Yeah. All right. You know, for the listeners, Trey is now about six five, uh, and can jump through the. I don't know where he gets it because I can't jump, so uh, <laughs> he can jump through the through the roof. But he uh, he he did it. You know, we took Brian's advice, um, and that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted him to come on because we had a great group of children, a great group of parents, and um, we're still friends with every single one of them. But you know, some parents parents are the worst thing about youth sports youth sports and some didn't follow the you know didn't didn't put it in coach sitter's hands right we we did i love to brag when i say ask brian sitter how many times i've called him about trey's playing time yeah not Um, once not once not once never called him once and and that that to us is more, we used to tell Trey, if you want to play more, if you're upset about how much playing time you got, make it so coach can't take you out of the game. Get better. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's the epitome of, of his coaching style is, is it's, it's not a favoritism. It's not a, uh, there's no, you know, he, the guy that's working the hardest and playing the hardest is going to play. Um, and I think, that translates to what our listeners and what the focus of our podcast is, is that if you're sitting out there and you're a five, nine, um, slow athlete and you want to become whatever the, the football player or the lacrosse player or the swimming guy or girl, but you don't know if, if it's right for you, find the right people to put around you and make the decision to do it. Just like Brian said, I was, working off in sales and I was doing these other things, but my passion and what I really wanted to do was help young men and young women become better basketball players. So, and I love Sandra. I know her pretty well, his wife, you know, God bless her. Yes. Go do that. Make that your job. Like it's, you know, and, and that you have carried that with you from the day, you know, you you carry that with you and I appreciate it. Um, We got, you know, we've got a younger son going through it now, but so, so you start Vegas elite, you get the girl group out. That was amazing. I wanted you to talk about that. Cause when Trey came in, everybody was, 
those girls were amazing. They're that was amazing. an amazing group of girls. It was. It was. Uh, I shouldn't even say girls. That was an amazing group of basketball basketball players. players. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Um, Men or women, they were they were yeah. awesome. Amazing yeah. group. Um, so then let's let's continue there. Where now you have uh, what we'll call Trey's group, and the year before him, the guys before him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now you want to carry it on to um, high school because you hadn't you hadn't taken. A we hadn't really had males. high school teams, and and um, so when you get into the world, the high school world, like Ben had alluded to earlier, um, the shoe companies get involved, and they really kind of control the the AAU world. If you if if uh, if that makes sense, and we're talking about Adidas, Nike, and Under Armour are the three major shoe companies, and what what it means is, and this started back in the late 80s, you know, um, early 90s. But the amount of money made on basketball shoes, uh, um, there's somebody, it, it was, um, oh, what's his name? Um, I'll think of it in a second. But he, he realized that if he can get every kid to wear those right shoes, the amount of money they can take that money and the shoe companies are making gobs, but they can take a portion of it and put it back into the recruitment of kids to wear those shoes. So, so it's it's reinvesting the money. It's it's a genius idea, but it's like nobody ever really could could imagine that basketball shoes could become a culture right now. Ben's in the culture. Like his shoe game is is tight. Like he's got great, but like. To, to start uh, to have Nike and to have Jordan, you know, put off a shoe that, that, that every, you know, that millions of kids will buy in one day, you know, but it started back with this guy realizing that shoes can make money. And if we use that money, we turn and put it back into the kids, we can almost brainwash them, if you will, to, to, to wear a specific shoe. And so as long, and, and then every kid in the United States is wearing one of two or three brands of shoes. That's a, that plays basketball. It's a whole lot of money. So to say this is they, they created these circuits. They put all this money in and the job of the teams in the circuit is to pull the best players to play in the circuit. And it, it it's branding, it's marketing, um, and Nike has by far and away done the best job. They sell the most shoes. The Kobe brand, the Kyrie Irvings, Kevin Durant's. Like now the shoes don't have, they used to have names like the Nike legend or the Nike, you know, this or that. Now they have a player's name to them. And, and it becomes, it starts when, the, when Kevin Durant was 14. Nike went to him and said, we want you to wear Nikes. We want you to play in our Nike circuit. And if you get all the way through, you go to Nike college. He did Texas. And then one day, if you're great, we'll give you your own shoe. And, and then Kevin Durant has his own shoe and he turns around now and he sells a billion dollars of basketball shoes. So, um, so these circuits are created to draw the best players. And we were not, a circuit team. We didn't, we were called an independent. We didn't have anything. So the first step and believe it, Ben, you probably don't remember the actual first step of that meeting was to tell you guys, look, 
the shoe people are going to come after you, you don't need it. What we oh, need yeah. to do is stick together. Yep. If we stick together, we will be able to give you guys everything that one of those shoe companies will think that they're or say they're going to give you. Our, our strength is in our togetherness, is in our group. We are going to be solid as a group and you kids, because I've, I've been around the shoe game before and what they do is they snatch the best players, they throw them all on a team and they go out and play and it's horrendous basketball. It's terrible basketball. It's a whole bunch of kids uh, being selfish and parents trying to use the platform and, blah, and and we told them, look, man, we got this far. Let's just keep doing it. And we're going to get these kids because the kids will play better. Our teams will function better and your scholarships will come and be careful of that shoe stuff. So it's funny that where I sit now, because now I went through Adidas Under Armour. Now I'm at the top of Nike. And again, I feel like the reason we're going to stay here is because we still have that mentality. It, we don't go out and try to recruit just the best player. We want kids that fit. We want kids from Vegas. And we want kids who buy in and parents who buy into our concept and our philosophy. And so we've done that and we've actually taken it all the way to the top. And now we're one of the top programs in the country because A, we do have Nike behind us and B, we have that philosophy that we stuck with from the beginning. 100%. Can you talk about that for a second for people that aren't familiar because they and maybe yeah. I'm mistaken, but you have your, your club team, right? Right. Uh, when you're talking about a circuit team, is that, as far as organization goes, is that just a, like a separate league or is that the, the important so, players from club, local club teams like yours? So, so, so what we're part of the Nike EYBL, they have, they, they sponsor. And when I say sponsor, they give you gear, cash for travel and everything, 36 teams. And in their mind, they would like their 36 teams. And we're talking about 17U, the oldest high school uh, level teams. Okay. They would like to have 90% of the best players in the country on those 36 teams. Okay. So they provide you with, and then what, and then not only with the gear and everything, but then they create the events for our teams to go play in. Okay. And those events, because they have the best players now, we literally play in games where there'll be 150 head college coaches sitting across on the sideline and there it's Kentucky, it's North Carolina, it's Duke, but it's also Western Kentucky. It's UNLV, it's Pepperdine, it's Loyola Marymount, it's, it's, it's BYU. It's every coach at every level. And so Nike's deal is we've created this circuit. We have the best players and now we create these, these events that are that are at the very top and 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 they want their 36 teams participate in those events. So if they you're want the parents of a 14-year-old, you are like, I have to get my kid on that stage. Like Under Armour has a similar one, but it's not as big. Adidas has another one that's similar, but it's not as big. So the fight is for these parents is to try to get their kids on. That 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 moment on that stage on that team, and there's only 36 teams. So, and that's 36 teams across the country. Across the country, and yeah. then they do so. EYBL holds um, these events, um, and and they bring all 36 teams to the one city. The yeah. idea for that was is that you had all these kids on all these different club teams uh, playing in in California, New York, Atlanta, and Detroit 
on any given weekend and coaches, college coaches who were recruiting these top players couldn't be in every place at one time. Right. So that's part of the idea as well is that they hold these events, these sessions, they call them. And, you know, you may be in Dallas, all 36 of these teams, you got, you know, 75 to 90% of the best, um, you know, recruitable athletes. Um, And then they all play each other and all the college coaches in the country can go to that session and watch everybody that they want to recruit all weekend long. Um, And then from a organizational standpoint, um, and I'll let you get into this, Brian, but so Vegas elite got, when my son went through his high school years, they were, we were an Adidas team. We played on the Adidas gauntlet, which Mm -hmm. is similar, just not, you know, Nike's the big dog Adidas and Under Armour are behind them, but they, they do the same thing. They have these sessions. It's the Adidas one's called the gauntlet. Um, but so, so the high school level age teams to answer your question, Brian, Hannah, uh, (laughs) The high school age teams are part of Vegas elite basketball club. And, the, and the, so when you get up into 17U, 16U, 15U, those age groups at the high school recruitable level, those are the teams that are actually on the circuit. Our youngest son plays for Vegas elite uh, 11U. Okay. Which, so he has Brian. So Vegas elite basketball club is made up of those top three circuit teams. Then, then they have eighth grade level, seventh grade level, all the way down to what we call bitty ball, you know, right before uh, kindergarten. 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 Mm -hmm. And in each grade level, there is um, Brian's developed a system where he has his own rec league. So his teams and teams, other teams around the city playing a rec league and they do tryouts every quarter. And so like my son plays on 11 U it's, it's the, it's the five travel team. It's the most competitive team at the 11 year old age but then there's like three or four other teams depending on your skill level uh at the 11 year old age group that you know spence our son spence just happens to play on the most competitive one we travel all over the country and play in local tournaments and local and national tournaments but then some of the other guys that maybe just started basketball they play on a different 11 year old team and they just play locally um, so okay. Brian has created, um, and I think that's what you were trying to allude to was this Vegas Lee basketball club has the, the circuit at the top, and then it spreads out in a big pyramid all the way down to kindergarten. So you can start as a kindergartner and work your way up. And the goal is always to be, when I get to high school, I want to be on the, the EYBL 15U team and 16U team and 17U team. Cause I want to go to college and play basketball that's yeah. fascinating i had no idea i had no idea it was that complicated let me let me ask you this this maybe a little off topic but you know for a parent that has kids coming up what is i mean i think about how i want to ask this but at least my experience has been most kids play sports you know in college or not college but high school and things like that but it almost seems like this is an alternate path would you is that correct instead of playing ball at, at high school you go Globally, or a question. Uh, that's a great question. And in some sports, it is. Um, they get to high school, and the club is is the path that they take because it's geared towards getting a college a college scholarship. Mm-hmm. And the high school is more geared towards, you know, the pageantry and representing your school and trying to play for a state championship. And there are some sports. Soccer is one of them 
where club and high schools at the same time here in Nevada. Right. And majority of the high level players will play club and the, and the, and the high school soccer is more for the recreational or, or less, you know, the kids that aren't necessarily striving for those college scholarships in basketball. Um, it's both. We have a club season, okay. uh, which runs the week after the state championship is over and it runs all the way through to the end of July. And then they have a high school season, which typically runs in the fall all the way through to, to March to the state championship. Wow. So kids can do both. And what, what do most kids do? Do they do both? Yeah. 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 Wow. They do. They do both. Um, um, the, the, the highest level ones will do, will do both. There probably are some that may only play high school and then they may not play club, but Typically, if you make your varsity high school team, you're also playing club okay. the minute the high school season is over. That's interesting. And do you feel like most do you feel like most of the recruiting is done in club leagues now, or do you feel like there's still some legitimate recruiting that goes on in high school still? No. So so if we go back to the model we were talking about with yeah. the with the, with the uh, circuit, if you can imagine if you're a head coach at like um, you know, University of Utah let's say um, you're in your season. The high school season is the same time as your season. Okay. So to make a trip on a Thursday night to go to Las Vegas and watch Clark high school play against Sierra Vista high school, right. And maybe see one player in the whole game that might be good enough to play for you. Doesn't make sense. Right. You can go to one Nike EYBL session and if I do my job, I've got nine Division One players on my team playing against another team with nine Division One players. Yep. Okay. You can go for three days and see 300 recruitable athletes. Gotcha. So, so there isn't a whole lot of recruiting done during the high school season. Typically, what happens is they will recognize one of my players in the AU season, and if they're recruiting them heavily, they'll show up at a high school game just to show a presence and just to show that, Hey, we're here to recruit you. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what happened with Trey. Yeah. That all that happens with 99%. Yeah, we would they're have to go to a high school game with the hopes they're going to see a kid that they might be able to recruit. Yeah. Okay. They, they're, they're, they would show up at the high school games to say hi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's okay. not where they were recruiting us. They would send yeah. an assistant down, um, and then, you know, you'd see him sitting, he'd come over and give your wife a hug and he'd say hi to the high school coach, shake his hand. And then, you know, make sure that Trey saw him there, you know, in his golf shirt that says USC. And then yeah. they, you know, and then they leave. Yeah. They run down the street to another game to see one of the other guys they're recruiting. So, so that's why club is really in, in a lot of sports. They're all-star teams and college coaches only have so much time and so much money and so much, you know, energy so they're going to go watch the, the all-star games yeah, and then try sense. to figure out who it is they're going to recruit and so that's where club is is really taken over as far as the recruiting and it's it, it's a it's a it's a huge industry yeah. not only from my perspective but if you can imagine at these eybl events these coaches need to know who these kids are so they'll show up and you know, Nike will charge the, each coach $700 to get a packet. So when you're watching the games, you can turn the page and you can see every kid 
their name, their parents' name, their phone number, their email address, their high school. Otherwise, how would you even know? So they sell packets and they'll get four or 500 coaches at every event spending $700. So there you can do the math right there. That's, it's pretty good. It's pretty. So why, again, it's nothing for them to turn around and put a few thousand dollars back in some shoes right. back into these teams in my situation so that I can go get the best players and bring them to the events. That's incredible. I, you know, for a long time, I always felt like Apple was probably the best marketer out there, but I, I think my opinion has now changed. I think Nike probably <laughs> is the best marketing ah. company of all time. That's incredible hearing all that. It's amazing that what they've done and um, uh, in, in the shoes, I mean, not, the amount of shoe money they make, you know, Kobe's shoe, my obviously Jordan's shoe, but like Kyrie Irving's shoe, yeah. these, they sell, and, and you got to, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but like I've gotten conversations with Nike reps about how like, yeah, it's important that we do this here. It's important that we have this new shoe in America, but like we sold a billion shoes in China, you know, of a Kobe shoe, yeah. you know, like the markets in some of these other areas are like 50 times what the United States is and they're, and they're killing it here. But these kids, these players are global. The sport is global. And so the, the just selling basketball shoes has turned into a, an un, unbelievable it's a, it's it's a culture down. it's a culture and it's trickled down into where i'm at where i run a club and i have a sponsorship from a shoe company and it's and it's helped put me into a, a really good situation but again i use it to try to make sure that i get kids scholarships from vegas and it's it's hard believe me when i tell you that we have business opportunities and things, people that come at us for all kinds of reasons. And we have me and Rich, he, he talked about, was one of my best friends and my assistant director. I have a lot of times have to go, what are we doing this for? We're not, you know, we have a kid, you know, a kid from LA who's got 2 million followers on his Instagram and he's a five-star and he wants to come play for Vegas elite, but he's going to take the spot of one of our kids has been in our program since he was 10. What are we going to do? He's got, we got, we got, we got to let the 10 year old rock. It's his spot, man. You know, and, and we That's stick awesome. to that. And, and our job is to get scholarships for Las Vegas kids. You know, we put ourselves in a spot where we have a platform and a lot of these people want to eat off of it, but it really is. It's, it's what we do. We are here to give, to try to provide an opportunity for the kids that have been in our program since they were 10, 11, 12 years old. So, so let's talk about Trey's group. Uh, We've got a player that got a scholarship to Columbia. Mm -hmm. so, and these are guys that played basketball. Sacramento State, uh, Utah Valley, uh, USC, then to TCU. Uh, Washington now. Oh, Washington. Yeah, forgetting. Yeah, Trey's best friend plays at Washington. Um, uh, where did Rose go? Rose, Rose went at Carroll College. Carroll College in Ohio. Uh, DJ went to a junior college in Oregon. Yeah. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, oh, UNLV. Marvin Coleman's at UNLV. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anybody. Oh, a couple guys. A couple guys didn't. Right. Ian. Ian's at uh, Northwestern. He's at, North, he's at Northwestern, but he's not on a basketball scholarship. He's on academic scholarship. Yep. And Saxon is on an academic scholarship to UNLV. Yep. Uh, Calvin 
is that a, a UNLV? Um, yeah, so point being is, is that when he's talking about putting a Vegas kids into, you know, it being about Vegas, you got to right. take, you got to do some of the outside stuff. Right. Other states. But when he says that, he means it. He's, Brian is really out for the kids. Um, you know, why I started. It's why I started. It's yeah. why we started it. And we got to stick it, stick it through and ride it out. And sometimes the biggest kids aren't the best ones that we can get, but it's our job to take care of them. You know, it's our job. Well, that, that leads me into two things. One, I'm going to say Vegas elite <clears throat> um, basketball club is actually a 501 C. Yes. You can go to the website and Brian will let you put all that information out. It'll be in the show notes, but you can put in there. I have never, the one thing that I admire most about Brian Sitter is, is I've, you know, he's doing this as a business. He has coaches that work for him and that's their job. He has to, yep. he has employees. Yeah. Um, and you pay, we pay a monthly fee. We chip in on travel, et cetera. I've never seen Brian Sitter tell somebody a child that they can't come to the gym and work out. I know he wants to sometimes. I know he wants to go, man, Brian and I have sat and talked at length about some of this stuff and some people abuse his kindness. Um, but I have never seen Brian Sitter tell a kid he can't come, whether he's a member of Vegas elite or not. If a kid shows up and says, Hey man, can I get in the gym? It's never a question, not ever a question. So listeners, that's the right way to do it. And there's a lot of people out there. I can't, you know, I can't even begin to tell you the, the people we know in the, in the business that are, are doing it the right way. The other thing is, is we get a lot of parents uh, because my older son came up, went to college. I get a million parents going, Hey, what does it take for my seven-year-old to uh, get to college basketball? Right. I get all <laughs> And I, I, first off, I tell them, they, they always ask me like, what do I got to do? And the first thing I say is, is, well, you don't have to do anything. You need to get out of the way. Second thing I tell them is, Hey, do you have to, you know, cause they ask you like, what shoes should he be wearing? Should I go get him this special equipment? Should I have this? Should I have that? And I said, do you have to yell at your son at night to get him in off the basketball hoop out in the front yard? And they go, what do you mean? And I go, do you have to yell at your kid like just to get out of the gym? Like, time, it's time to go. It's time to go. Oh, well, no, I have to like scream at him to get off Xbox to get him to come to the gym. <laughs> I say he's probably not going to the Division One college basketball. <laughs> There's your answer. Yep. It has yep. to be a passion. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know, Brian, you could probably uh, whatever the hours are. To, to master a skill, right? Whatever yeah, it is, yeah. that 10,000 hours of practice whatever, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about, you've seen them come, you've seen them go, you've seen some guys that were so naturally talented that just didn't have a work ethic. Yep. Can you, I mean, yeah. tell, tell parents, tell our listeners, you know, how, what should you be encouraging your children to do, I guess is what I'm saying. What? Yeah, well, the thing about basketball, which is, which is it's similar to football in this aspect that no matter what, you know, one of the things I have to tell parents is there's a ceiling for every kid and, 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 it, and it doesn't have anything to do with his, his heart, his desire, his drive. Like 
unfortunately there's a physical ceiling to this sport it's 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 a very big it's a big person sport it's a it's a uh it's athletic like running fast being able to jump being able to dribble catch shoot uh, being physical being aggressive like our prerequisites to having a chance in this you know and that's one of the first thing i start is don't get into basketball with your kid with the goal that like you're going to use this to get a college scholarship you can't, you can use it. You can use it as a, as a vehicle to try to teach your kid how to drive and, and strive for things. But like, sometimes there, there's a ceiling and, and not every kid, but, but to get to your point, I'll try to get there quickly. The amount of hours that you put in is different for every kid. I tell our kids, and, and it's funny, it happened. Uh, I tell our kids all the time, you know, our sixth graders, your group, your, your kids group, like there's going to be a kid when, 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 when your son, when Spence is 14 and all the hours you put in, there's, he's going to be, there's a kid that's going to walk in the gym. who's going to be six, eight, who jumps out of the gym, who's never touched the ball. And in probably six months, he's going to catch or pass some of these kids just because of his genetics. Um, doesn't mean Spence ain't going to, be, get the, to the same place, but that kid is going to be 4,000 hours behind already. And in 100 hours is going to catch up now because of the nature of the sport and, and people have a hard time with basketball, but I, I like to use football as an analogy because I remember going to my first football practice at, at in ninth grade at Gorman and everybody wanted to be the quarterback, the running back or wide receiver. And, and the coach said, look, not everybody here, somebody has to block, you know, and somebody has to, and somebody has to hike the ball. Somebody has to block and we're going to figure out where physically you fit in this sport, you know, and there are kids who are like, I know you want to be a running back, but you're big and slow. You're going to block for the running back. And I know you want to be a wide receiver, but you can't catch. So you maybe you're going to play defense and guard the wide receivers. You're going to be a defensive back. You know, I know you want to be quarterback, but you can't throw, you know, and, and you're not big enough to see over the line or you're not fast enough to escape. So I have to break that down to parents from the beginning is that there's a ceiling. Now, our job is to get your kid to get the most out of what he has been given, his God-given gifts, whatever that is. And if you're only going to be 5'4", and you're not, you, like, we're going to get you to make your middle school team and we're going to try to get you to make your high school team. And no, I'm not telling you you can't play college at 5'4", but there's not a lot of them. But your hours are going to have to be triple of the kid that's 6'4". Just telling you that. So um, that's, a, that's the beginning of it. And, and then taking those kids and getting them to reach their max, or wherever the max is, is really what the goal should be in the sport. It's getting the maximum. And that takes me all the way back to let's get them, let's max them out and let's also enjoy the process. Let's have a great ride of while we're getting him to a spot and let's teach your son or daughter what they need to be successful in life over this period so that when the basketball stops, they can take this experience because you know how many parents have come to me and especially on the girl side, 
they get all the way to their senior year and they don't have any college offers. And they're like, we spent nine years in the gym. We spent thousands of dollars, all of this for nothing. I'm like, for nothing? Your daughter has a, had a has all these friends. She has a built-in family. She didn't start doing drugs. She didn't get pregnant. She graduated high school. You mean for nothing? I would say that you did an amazing job. And now she's going to take this. And you know what? It's a lot. It's, it's a heartbreak. You're not going to play college basketball. You take it like all kinds of heartbreaks in life. And you take your experience. And I guarantee you she's going to take all this and become somebody that changes the world for somebody else. But it isn't going to be basketball. But that's okay. It's not a waste of nine years of your life or money or time. You invested it in. And now she's going to take this experience and become a positive person in our society. And maybe she's a coach if she loves it. And maybe she's a trainer or a physical trainer. Or maybe she starts her own company and does whatever. But this is not a waste. And yeah. so that's one of the biggest things. And I try to get parents to understand that at nine years old and at 10 years old. And I didn't do that as well when when your kids were younger. I, we, me and Dave golfed today and we were talking about how some of those kids we had, you know, we didn't have the capacity to explain to them this process because we hadn't gone through it as much ourselves. Now that I've gone through it with you and Jamal and then the next wave and I've gone through it with kids from 10 through, I have 22, 23 year olds now that have been through my program. I can say like the process is what it's about. You know, the, the end, we all want to play, but you know, 1% of kids that play college, high school basketball get a college scholarship. So like, wow. let's try to do it. Let's push for it. But like, let's also take it for what it is and enjoy the process. So, and, and to be honest, Ben, you would even love, you, you know, you're there now, like, we have zero nonsense compared to what we used to have in the gym back when Trey was around. Remember how much uh, nonsense we had with parents and griping and complaining? Uh, and isn't it just a happy place now? It's because a we, much happier place. We draw. We do not. We draw the people that get it, and the people that don't leave because they realize nobody wants to hear me in here. Like no one wants to hear my bitching and complaining. And everywhere they turn, the parents are like you. Like, look, man. Show up to work, get in line, cheer for everybody, or get out. You know, yeah. and, I, and and I, I'll admit it. I, you know, I, I didn't. I enjoyed the ride from from a thirty thousand foot view with Trey. There were some times when I was too close to it. I was too. I was, was one stressful. of those parents. It was very stressful, and I was. I was more stressed, and we're not. We're not going to get into it. But I was more stressed than some some outer things outside right. of the club. I was never stressed with you and, and right. No, I know. And will, but it was, you know what I'm saying? It, yeah, no, I know. He had it, a bad it, high school experience we, and he had a bad even, role model, but we've you know. gotten to a point now where we have even able to been through it, been going through it as long as we have, we are able to cut the knot. I'm able to have the conversations I had with you guys at 14 with kids at 10, parents when they're kids. Yeah. Are 10. Well, that's, that's what I was doing. That is, is now yeah. that Spence has been doing this for three or four years, I am so much more chill about, <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, and the understanding that at nine years old, the rec league game on Saturday in August 
doesn't matter. No, it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with it. So enjoy that Saturday with your family and don't get pissed at the refs or the coach. Well, I still get mad at the refs, but, (laughs) but, uh, you know, but it's, it's more about, like you said, the process, the hard work, the life lessons. Um, I mean, and that's another compliment I'll throw to you and you've gone through an evolution on, on coaching, right. But, and coaches that work for you, but you know, the, the guys you have in place and, and guys that are not there anymore that we love as family um, that have moved on and gone, you generally have guys that are out for the kids a hundred percent. I don't, I can't, I mean, I, and I wouldn't throw somebody under the bus, but I can't think of a coach that was there with the wrong intentions. And you do a really good job of creating role models that are there for the kids. There's so many coaches in this business that are out for themselves. Um, and, and wouldn't think twice about trying to screw over a kid, you know, and you, you have taken that. And there's other guys in town, Demetrius Hunter, uh, you know, in town We're we're battling with him right now with his 11 year old, he's got another club. He's a great, great, great guy. Yeah. He's teaching his kids. I mean, we got into some battles, you know, and I'm I'm throwing his name out there because right now I think he's, he's trying to, he's trying to do it his way, which is not, the Vegas elite way, but he's right. doing a good job and he's raising a great kid. He's, he's enabling children around his kids to, you know, have a good experience and learn how right. to play basketball correctly. Right. Right. And have good role models. Correct. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. So. So I got to ask everything. I'm, I'm loving this story. I mean, it, it's just great to hear, but what, what's been the biggest, I guess, what's your biggest challenge with all this? Cause it, I imagine parents, kids, I mean, what's, what's the hardest part about all this? The hardest part is, is, is being the one who has to break the news, like tell the truth, you know, and it's, 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 it's all the way up to my very, very top guys. It's be, it's telling my top college guys that you're probably not going to play in the NBA. You know, it's telling my top high school guys, some of them that you're probably not going to get a division one scholarship. It's it's telling those eighth grade kids that you're not going to play on the top, my top mm-hmm. eighth grade team, because no parent. I have a daughter that's 10. You know, I, we all want what our kids want. We want that. We want it worse for our kids than our kids want it for themselves. And to to have your kid have heartbreak because he didn't get on the team you want to get onto, or he's not going to make the path or he doesn't look like he's going to take the path that he he wants or he dreams for is the hardest part and and it's because they also come to me the ones who make it too so so they know that I'm the expert in it and and I and it's that moment when I have to tell parents like look I know what you guys want and I know what he wants and he's working really hard, but like you guys need to really start focusing on plan B, you know, and, and it's not that it, it's not like I'm crushing dreams because it's, 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 but, but the reality of this sport and the expectations from parents are sometimes just so off base. Cause you're talking about parents who never played basketball, who have been steered towards club, and are paying their monthly dues and going to tournaments and 
they think they're doing everything that they're told that they need to do. And they're, and they're smart people, but, but they, they get into a point where it's like, so my son really wants to play Duke. Like, what are we going to do? What do we got to do to get them there? And for me to be like, look, I have to be like, look, Duke's not going to happen. Not on a basketball scholarship. And they're like, Whoa. Like, and, and not that your kid's not a great kid and he works hard, but like, again, being the one that has to kind of break the news or tell them, you know, in, in so many ways that like there is a ceiling for your kid and your kid is, is, is not at where he thinks he is, or he's not going to get to where you guys think that he could, that think he could. And, and I'm not saying again, it's, it's very delicate because I'm, I, I played college and I'm sure there are plenty of people who thought I'd never would when I was 12, 13. And this is not a conversation I ever had with a 10 year old or 11. I'm talking about when you get, you know, 15, 14, 15, 16, I didn't make my varsity team. What's wrong. I've been in your club for, you know, four years and I didn't make varsity what's going on. You know, well, the hours you're spending aren't matching up to your physical ability you know, and, and, you know, this sport doesn't, not everybody that plays basketball is great at it. You know, it's just, it's, it's not, I, I wanted to do a lot of things in life too. Some of us may want to be brain surgeons or want to be, you know, and at the end of the day, it, it, not every, it's not for everybody. So having to have that conversation is tough. And really when you get to the very top, you know, having kids that don't get that scholarship offer that they are hoping to get and trying to get them to understand that there's still a path or starting to stick with it or try to walk on or to try to go, you know, go to a division two or a smaller school or a junior college if you really want to keep fighting. But, you know, like DJ Howe is a perfect example of that. They, he was Trey's teammate. They were with us and you saw it got, it got bad at the end between us because I was trying to tell them the truth and they didn't like the truth and, and the truth, you know, cause they saw Trey was going to UNLV at the time and Jamal was going to Washington and uh, Maka's going to Columbia and he was our starting point guard. And why is he not going to where he wants to go? Mm -hmm. And, and, and having to have those conversations was, was tough. Do you feel like, you feel like it's the, I want to be a little sensitive how I word this, but, do you feel like it's the parents that take it harder than, or is it the kids that take it harder sometimes? I think the parents for sure. Yeah. Okay. If you 99 times out of a hundred, you know, I've said this with Ben, we've had this talk, like even so much as in a game, if a kid doesn't get to play very much, the parents are just angry and upset and I can't. And, and I, and I say, ask him why, you know, like the kid usually knows, you know, whether it's his effort, whether it's his commitment level, uh, they know, and, and, or you're not putting in the amount of hours that you need to put to keep up with this group. And so I always say, well, why don't you ask Johnny? And he could probably tell you why. And if he can't tell you why, we can have a meeting and we can talk about it. 99 times out of 100, the kid knows. The kids know where they're at. Even in our own gym, we have the levels, like he says. We have our, our top levels, our second level, our third. And I have parents all the time. Like, How come my kids are always on the second level? And then I'll ask Johnny, what team do you think that you should be on? Is this team? Do you think that you should be moved up to the other team? No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not ready to play on that team. 
They know. So the, so the parents are the ones because they're spending the money, they're driving, they're paying, they're paying, they're showing up. They, in their mind, they're doing everything that they should be doing. I have him here every practice. He does extra training. We're paying for extra coaches. We're paying for extra training. We're going to all the tournaments. What, what's the problem? You know, and, and I have to be the one to say, he's still not good enough. <laughs> the problem is he's just not there. You know, like there are too many kids better than him right now still. And you're doing everything you can and he's working hard, but like there's, there's, there's the best. And then there's the next level and there's levels to this and he's, he's not there yet. So that that's the toughest. And the parents definitely take it a lot harder than the kids. That's interesting. Do you feel like with, with kids and maybe, maybe with younger kids, do you feel like sometimes uh, kids playing sports, they tend to maybe hold themselves back because they want to stay in that comfort zone. Like they're almost afraid of, they know that if they move to the next level, they're more likely to fail. So they maybe hold back a yep. little. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a whole can of worms right oh, there. Yeah, it is. It is. Didn't so, but, but here's what I'll tell you. Like, that's part of it. Like, if you're afraid of that, then you're probably not built for it. So, you know? so Brian, there are kids that love it. There are kids that want that competition and they're itching to play yeah. kids better and get beat down. And there are kids who don't like it at all. And there you go. There starts the separation right yeah. there. Yeah. Brian, you know? in basketball, the basketball culture, there is a trend to hold your kid back. Yes. Um, in, in school, regardless of his grades or whatever, but you'll, you will run into, once you get to like the junior high level, you run into these teams that, um, you know, we went out and played, we were in a tournament a couple weeks ago, uh, down in California and everybody there has kind of the same age kids, right? We ended up going up against a group of kids that while Spence is in fifth grade, all like nine of their players were in fifth grade, but they were the age of seventh graders. And, <laughs> so you're, you know, you're saying like parents, they hold them, they don't, they start them later in school just to. Yeah, no, no, they just hold them back. When you get into like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, yeah. they'll reclass them. What they'll yeah. do is they'll repeat a grade so that they are now a year older, but in the same grade. Now, if you want to get into this, I'll do it real quickly, but I was totally against it at first running a youth program because it, 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 to me, like where's fairness and where's all that stuff. But now that where I sit now and been, we've never really talked about this. The end of the day, if the goal is to get a college scholarship, college does not, we, we've created the United States and our culture has created this system where you get into school at five you graduate at 18 and you just go through the system. We boom, boom, boom. We put you through and then you go, but, but then there's sports and sports follow this system, but because of all the information available and people finally learning like sports and school are two different things. They don't, they shouldn't be hand in hand and they shouldn't necessarily have to correlate. Like you don't have to. So my point is college coaches don't care how old you are. You oh, can enroll in college at any age. I could go. So if you're fighting yeah. for college scholarship, hmm. Why wouldn't you why wouldn't you give your kid the best chance? And if he's 19 as a senior in high school and he's playing against 17 and 18 year olds, colleges could care less. 
if you're a senior in high school yeah, they don't. and you can enroll in my college next year and you're clearly better than everybody else in the gym, I want you on my team. Nobody goes, no college goes, well, I, the one kid who's 17 is going to be really good in two or three years. Why don't we take him? Now, it's a th- they might think about it, but ultimately, I want the best kid in the gym. I want the best players. Yeah. And so there is a trend, and people now have started to separate the school portion with the sport portion. And ultimately, I just want to have my kid at some age, around 18, 19, 20, I need a college to want to give him a scholarship. But we're talking about two different different things, though. Yeah. The The youth side and the scholarship side. Yeah. 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 It's a different, there's a different thing, you know, even in eighth grade and, and, uh, and older, there's a difference between for whatever reason, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take a year off or I'm going to hold back when fifth graders are doing it. That's not to get it. And they're doing it on it. They're trying to win trophies. Yeah. They're trophy. And and that was the point I was getting at. Yeah. There is a time and a place there is. And I agree with you hundred percent. There is a time and a place. And we know kids, we, we, you and I, I mean, I know kids, um, Trey's best friend who happens to be playing college basketball took a year off. Uh, so, you know, and I'm not, he ended up being the state player of the year, state player of the year, uh, went to a PAC 12 school, uh, you know, is almost done with his degree and is, is, you know, his mother's an educator. Yeah. You know, she, she's, you know, so anyway, I, that wasn't my, my, my point was that there's a culture where they're, it's about winning trophies and, yeah. you know, well, and that goes into what we can discuss if real quick is that that's the business of club sports. Yeah. So if you can, as an example, if I if I'm a club and I charge kids $150 a month to play on my club, I want to tell everybody we have the best teams. So I may take kids and reclass them and put older kids and literally cheat and play older kids in the other divisions because if my teams are winning all the trophies to the to the to the average parent that doesn't really know much, they think, well, that club must be the best club. So I'm going to send my child there and pay my $150 a month to that guy, you know, whereas it, it, and it really has become a, 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 it's a big industry uh, charging kids for training, charging, because nobody, no kids don't go play basketball in the park anymore. Like everything is scheduled. It's training, it's training coaches, it's, it's club sports, it's school Hmm. sports. So if I have a gym and I'm and I need to fill that gym with kids who pay money so that I can pay my bills. I would like to have say that I have the best teams in the city because you're going to get more people to come pay money and pay for your training and pay for your camps and everything. I I hate that model that because ultimately what happens when those you know that that team the sneaker whoever team or whatever does that it hurts those kids. Like those kids flying around the country, beating up on kids two years younger, they are not getting anything out of that. No. And ultimately, you're holding those kids back. So again, it's your it's an example of the adults using the kids to to build business and to make money and to build not notoriety and to get social media presence by putting 12 year, 13 year old kids in 11 year old basketball tournament. 
and winning games by 70 points. And, and that's the adults messing it up for the kids. Cause those kids at some point are going to fall back and fall behind because they should be playing against 14 year olds, not 11 year olds. Well, we're pushing the we're pushing the time limit here, man. Can you give us uh, can you give us one piece of advice that you would put out to an adult, a child, a girl, a boy, um, about making a decision in their life to to make a change or to to get better at something, start a business, whatever that is, other than marry somebody like Sandra who's going <laughs> to support me. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of things, I guess. Two things uh, I would say. One of them is to parents of kids who have kids who want to be successful in, in anything, whether it's piano, uh, football, a sport, um, science, like whatever their interest is, um, do your research. Um, you know, my daughter's in piano or gymnastics. When I put her in gymnastics, we did our research we found a gymnastics program that was reputable. We asked questions. We went and met the people. And then we put her in and let them do what they do best. I said, I drove my daughter to gymnastics. I said, go in there, do everything you can do. Do your best. Try your hardest. Pay attention. Listen to your coaches. I'm paying good money for this. And I and then I sat in the waiting room and waited for her to do her thing and come out. And when she came out, I said, let's go have some ice cream. Let's go have dinner. How was it? Did you have fun? Because thinking that you, if, as a parent, I get a lot and in a lot of sports, put people you trust around your kids and then let those people do their job. It gets, mud, it gets messy when the parents now want to also tell the coach how to coach the team. Kids are super embarrassed when their dad is trying to tell the coach how to coach. They don't realize, the parents don't realize how embarrassed it makes their kid, you know? Like, they just want to show up at the gym and they want to get in the car and go, Dad, Coach Brian told me how to do this. He told me this. He yelled at me. He got mad at me. He made me do 10 push-ups because I wasn't paying attention. They don't want you doing it. You're the one who's supposed to say, all right, now we got to go home. You got to clean your room. You got to do your, do your homework and we got to get to bed. But if you're saying you weren't running hard enough down the court, the coach doesn't know what he's doing. You should have shot it instead of passing it. And then you try to go, now let's go home and do your homework. It gets muddled. It messes up your relationship with your child. It messes up my job with the kid. It, it, it takes my ability away from being able to get the most out of them. So whatever it is, put your kid in it. Trust that the people around them, adults are gonna do their job. Now, obviously, if you're not, and then if you're not happy, then take them out. That's the other thing I tell parents, they wanna come, I go, here's your options. You can stay and cheer, you can leave. Those are the two things, but you're not staying and bitching and complaining. Like you're, you're, you're gonna stay and do it how we do it, or you're gonna leave, but you're not gonna stay and then tell me how to do it. That's not how it's gonna go. Before you give us our second advice, let me chime in real quick before you give the rest of your advice. Mm -hmm. I never I never get on the coaches. I don't try to coach, but I, I did try to coach Trey sometimes, but not from the sideline. But 
one time I felt like he wasn't getting back on defense and I was yelling at Trey in the middle of this like high profile game. And for, for those listeners that know my son, Trey, he doesn't talk. He's a, he, he puts his head down and he grinds. That's, that's him. Uh, for, for you listeners that don't know Trey, he never says a word. He never looks at me on the sideline. And so I'm yelling at him, get back, get back, get back. And finally I said, really, and I have a very loud voice in the gym. I said, Rich, take him out of the game if he's not going to play defense. And my son Trey stopped at half court and just walked over to the sideline and said, he looked at me, he said, shut the F up. <laughs> It took off running down the court and rich rich the uh, the assistant director of vegas elite he about fell out of his chair the ref <laughs> the ref was laughing it was the funniest thing i just kind of went oh, okay well, i guess that's it for me yeah yeah it was the funniest <laughs> thing ever yeah yeah sorry that happens a lot to be honest uh i tell parents that story uh uh ryan rose actually did it to don too in the middle of a game i don't know if you remember but uh yeah oh yeah I said, yeah, I, I was like, I'm telling you what, you better leave him alone because that day is going to come and he's going to have it, man. And he's going to let you know in front of everybody, you, you need to get off his case. And, uh, and it happens a lot. It happens a lot. Um, I guess the, the last, if you, you, we talked about following your passion um, and, and, you know, I was lucky, you know, but, but I think, you know, because of the situation I was in and I was able to, uh, my, my wife's here now, so I don't want, I don't want to give her too much credit while she's listening. <laughs> Are you listening? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, the, the, like we talked about before, if you, you know, you said a lot of people listening might be thinking about starting their own business, you know, it's, it's gather as much information, you know, you've heard everybody's heard this all the time like if you're if you're doing something you love then you're, you're really never working you know um but it's true and and but I, what i would say even further is is the things that have gotten our business to where it is and our, our club and our our group is is you know figure out what your philosophy is you know and, and everyone says Follow your passion. Obviously, you got to put in a lot of hours. You got to you got to have all the information. You got to be organized and all this stuff. But the thing that's really worked for us, and I think in a lot of businesses, like why are you getting into this business? You know, and and figure out what your philosophy is of why you're doing it, and and stick to that. Because what I've learned is when I first started, I adjusted my philosophy to try to fit what else, what parent, what I thought parents wanted, you know, some teams wanted to do more travel. Someone wanted to do less. Some teams wanted to play up some kids, parents wanted their, 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 their kids to play on older teams. Some wanted to play for fun. Some wanted to play competitive. And, and in the meantime of trying to appease and please all of them, I was never really, it never, I was never really fully happy, you know, because I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do all the time. And then at the same time, you're never really drawing the people who, who want what you want. You know, you're kind of just bringing in people from all different that have all different expectations and different wants. And you're not really pleasing any of them because you're doing a little bit of everything. You're not doing one thing. Great. When we finally were like, look, 
we're going to lose a bunch of kids who, but we're a competitive youth program. Our, our philosophy is that we push kids through who want to be successful in the sport. And they want to make their middle school teams. They want to make their high school teams. They may want to play college. They may want to play above, but that's what we do. So we're going to gear all of our practices, all of our tournaments. Everything that we do is for the elite level kid. In the meanwhile, we might lose a bunch of kids who don't, who, they may not think it's fun. Practice isn't fun for them. It's hard. We, we don't have, practices are very challenging. It's very, it's very uh, physically demanding. We, we got rid of the let's shoot, let's play knockout and have fun and give prizes at the end of practice. Like, that's not what we do. The, the minute that we really dialed into what we were as a, as a program and what our goals were and our philosophy, we lost a lot of people who didn't agree with it, but we brought a ton of people who do agree. And now you end up with a gym full of people who are all on the same page because they're there for a reason. They come and go, look, we're here because we're serious and we want our kid. And we lose kids all the time and go, man, this is just way too serious. This is too much. Like it's, it's a little, my kid just wants to put on a uniform. He wants to play games on Saturdays. He wants to have fun. Like you guys got offenses and defenses and he's getting yanked out of the game because he's not running. Like this is not what we want. And it's like, that's fine. And that, and the minute that we really kind of defined what we were, then, then things were simpler. Business grew and, and I was much happier because now I got a whole bunch of gym full of people who speak my language. You know, and so that's that would be one of the things that I would say is define your philosophy and then and then stick to it and know that it's not going to align with everybody else. But there are people out there. The ones who get it are the ones you want anyways. And they're the ones who are going to come to your business. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's incredible. It, in a way, it kind of reminds me of someone someone else use the analogy and I'm, I can't take credit for it, but it kind of reminds me of the analogy of, of the railroads, you know, those one time the railroads thought they were the Kings of the world, right? They thought they were in the train business, but it wasn't the train business. They were in the transportation business. Right. So things change, right. And had they adapted to the changing technology, they probably still would have been the Kings of everything, but you know, trains have kind of fallen by the wayside and it, maybe that's oversimplified for what you're doing, but it's really yeah. incredible because you're, you're focusing on that end product. And that's, I think yes. that's so important. And I think a lot of people don't, they don't realize that it sounds so simple, but they, they don't focus on that. And you're focusing on the kids you are focusing on that end result of making those kids the best they can be. And that's, that's really awesome. I mean, that, that's, that's really incredible to hear. Well, I, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. It took a while to get here, but, but, you know, uh, arguments with parents, you know, uh, you know, the meetings we've had, all the trips that we had and, you know, finding your way like anything else, you know, we've got here, but it's, it's been 14 years. So it's, it, it took a while. Uh, that's been awesome. I definitely want to uh, stay in touch and keep track of all your progress and, and everything else. So, but um, appreciate it. yeah, no, like Ben said, I, I want to be respectful of your time. And we've probably kept you a little longer than we, we should have, but um, it's, it, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I've been a pleasure meeting you. Um, it's, you're really inspiring. I mean, I, I really love what you're doing. I think it's incredible. Like I said, so thank thanks, you for time. Appreciate yeah, thanks it. for coming on. Thanks, Ben. I'll see you at practice this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you at the gym every night this week. <laughs> hey, I, I want to bring up one more thing, Brian, before you uh, you give us – we're going to let you put out the website and stuff. But um, I want to kind of hit – I hit on it for a second. I'm going to make this quick. Brian doesn't ever tell a kid that he can't come to the gym. 
that being said, to run a club and to, to provide these things for kids that um, there are kids that, that can afford it and kids that can do it um, or parents that can afford it and that can provide the financial means to travel and other things. But there's a lot of kids out there that can't. Um, I, I personally have raised money for the club. Like I said earlier, uh, he, he actually turned, Brian turned um, Vegas League Basketball Club into a 501C. Um, if there's a listener out there that has found this inspirational uh, and wants to donate some what we'll call scholarship money um, to the club to help with some of these kids that maybe can't, don't have the means to travel, um, it, please do at his website. Um, and we'll let you put that out, but yeah, how, to, please. How, how to find you on social media and yeah. what, what your website is. Sure. Uh, our website is simple. It's just VegasElite.org. Um, our Twitter handle, I think is what it's called, is uh, uh, at Vegas Elite Hoops. And then our Instagram is Vegas-Elite-Hoops uh, as well. No, Vegas underscore elite underscore hoops um but our website is the easiest we have our office number on there um my communications director val she answers all our emails she takes calls and that's that's the easiest way to reach reach us that's awesome yeah and we'll uh we'll be sure to put all that in our show notes and our social media too so if anyone missed it uh please check out our website nothingo.com and then we'll have all the uh the information up there so you can uh, donate which would be awesome for you to do because like brian's doing awesome work out there so please help him out if you can all right. I, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. So for uh, Brian and Ben, this is Brian <laughs> signing off for the Nothing Owed podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we will see you guys next time. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>